Aha, there it is, the crisp sound of a CR-125, courtesy of our buddy Darren Durham. Unfortunately, he's not on this podcast, but maybe in the near future. I am your host, Brad Gebhardt, and thank you for checking out another episode on the Burb Pod Network. Absolutely love checking out these episodes. Hopefully, you're checking out the entire archive, digging deep and binging on all of the amazing podcasts that we have to offer, whether it's Winner's Take Y'all, the Squad Pod, or the Grom Report. Every once in a while, I like to have on some individuals that don't really fit in any of those categories, and this one certainly fits that bill. Check out this episode, enjoy it, and let us know what you think on our social media. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, heck, you can even find us on TikTok. Anyway, let's get to the episode. Welcome to a Verb Mono broadcast, brought to you by GoPro, and the GoPro GromQuest. Do you know what the, you don't know what the GromQuest is? That's easy. I can tell you about it. The Grom Quest, all you gotta do, go get yourself a GoPro, film your Grom. Maybe you are a Grom. Maybe you're under 18 yourself. All it needs to be is content where it is focused on an athlete under the age of 18. Submit that to Grom Quest, and maybe you're gonna win some awesome prizes and become part of the GoPro team. Do it today. The link to that should be in the description of this, this podcast. And if it's not, I blame Chase. Anyway, I'm your host, Brad Gebhardt. With me on the line, he is a, a privateer superstar. Uh, he's been racing for way too long. Uh, and uh, he also happens to have a day job. So um, you have multiple revenue streams for the one, the only, Josh Cartwright. Josh, how's it going? What's up? How's it going? Thanks for having me. Hey, not too bad. Not, to, not too, too often I get to talk to an IT specialist and a Supercross superstar. But uh, yeah, you're all that rolled into one. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, best of both worlds, basically. I try to do both as much as possible. I got to have nice to have two incomes, so. <laughs> no kidding. And, uh, yeah, with the way of the world these days, it's, it's kind of like you, you need to have two two incomes to really uh, kind of get those two birds stoned and all that fun stuff. But, uh, Josh, it's off-season, which for privateers or uh, guys like yourself who ride for, and you're, you're full Madports uh, team, correct? Yep, for this year, I'm back fully on the team with Matt Park. Love it. So, uh, like, it's still it's a private, uh, privately supported team, um, but uh, pro- like the off season is a busy time for you guys. This is uh, time to go race some money races. You're at Oak Hill. You're at you're in Finland. You're all over the place. Um, tell me a little bit about your program. Tell me a little bit about the off season that's been, and uh, yeah, battling with uh, the one, the only uh, Freckle. Um, Mitchell <laughs> who just shows up to Oak Hill and uh, takes all your money. That's kind of rude. <laughs> yeah, it's it's been a fun off season. Um, I definitely kind of got into this type of off season last year. Um, once I moved to Texas and kind of made my new life here, um, then this summer I did the same thing as I did last summer. I just kind of raced some local fun outdoor races because people know I don't really do outdoors professionally. Um, like like in the big in the big leagues, just because I'm not a not a as good at it and it's just not as much of a fan of it uh like right. supercross better so you can just I say that just have fun. Day, that's fine yeah it's, it's outdoor sucks like it's just not fun um but um yeah i just have have fun and just kind of ride with my homies uh, i have a lot of friends here in texas that i ride with do some off-season races so like uh, i did oak hill and then i also did freestone the texas races here um yeah it's kind of hard to race freckle when uh, you're racing on his literal home turf yes. uh, at Oak Hill. <laughs> like he grew up there. His parents used to own it. 
But even if it doesn't matter if I was at that track or any other track at an outdoor track, I'm not going to be close to Oldenburg on an outdoor track. So it's, uh, I just had fun. I, I didn't mean, um, uh, like it was a lot of different. Freestone was pretty cool because I actually did a lot better there because that was my favorite track growing up as an amateur. So it was cool okay. to go back to there. I haven't been there since 2013. So it was cool to see kind of everyone, the Millers and everything, just see everyone still there. It was cool to race that track again. Certainly. So on top of going to Oak Hill, that's friendly confines. You'd been there before. Uh, but you also found yourself in Finland of all places. And it's, it looked to me that you were racing on Play-Doh. Oh my gosh. It was gnarly. <laughs> so yeah, they, they hit me up this year and, uh, just asked if I wanted to come up and, and I, and I was a little hesitant at first just because I wanted to get back training and get into focus on all that. Like I wasn't fully, fully prepared, um, but I wanted to kind of train, but I also thought it'd be good to get an actual gate drop before the season. It'd be cool to go see Finland, never been there. So it'd be cool to go see it. Um, but yeah, when we got there, we saw the track. It The track was a cool, it was a cool layout and it was really fun when it was smooth, but it was indie ruts with Germany dirt like that type. oh yes and like very sticky very soft very play-doh dirt in the ruts and the track it wasn't a very super crossy track it was big jumps that kind of looked super cross but they were very fast and very just like forward not up and down like we're used to so it was a very high speed track and um i had a lot of fun though it was a really cool event they all put it on really well uh like tons of people showed up like so it was packed they sold out Saturday night before it even got to Saturday. And then Friday, they I, it had to have been sold out because it didn't look like there was one seat open. So it was a really fun time. That's super sick. Yeah, performing in front of a packed house, whether it's uh, 60,000 or uh, like 8,000 just like packed Finland people who just like Finnish people who just literally like they got out, gotten out of their saunas like 25, 50 uh, to an hour, uh, earlier than that. Um, yeah. Like what was, what was the most culture shock of going to Finland? Because as far as I know, uh, like every country in Europe, they're vastly different. Although like, like, uh, geographically they're not far apart, but, uh, you cross borders and there's just different ways of life all over the place. Yeah, um, I was actually really impressed with Finland. Um, when we got off the plane and everything, and in the cities, everything was very clean. Everyone was kind of like very just proper, just kind of like like it was pretty cool. Like everyone was, it was kind of cool to see like their type of people. Like there's a coffee shop everywhere. There's a hamburger shop everywhere. It was okay. really funny. Like we saw like five hamburger shops, but. The biggest thing for me was there's really not much air conditioning um, there. Like they have air conditions, but like it doesn't, it, it might've just been the room I was in or one of the places, but I, I sleep like every probably American does. Like we sleep at our temperature, at like 66, 65 degrees yeah. at night. Like, cause you like it cold, but there it's already cold as hell there. So I don't think they really focus on air conditioning much. So the hotel room was really, uh, it was a little hot to sleep in. And it's funny in Europe, I've noticed this a lot. It was the same thing in the UK when I went over to Worlds. Um, the like, if you get like a, a double bed, like two beds in one room, they're twin size beds. Like they're not, okay. they're not queen size. It's weird. Like I'm, a, I've just seen that a couple times, and I don't know if it's a normal thing or what. But you're on just this tiny little bed by yourself. But uh, but other than that, it was a really cool place. Like we went around Helsinki. Me, Kate Clayson, and Luke Neese kind of 
uh, toured around Helsinki, and then we all drove up. They came and picked us up from Helsinki and took us to Zampier, where the race was, about two hours north. And um, we just kind of – we went to the hockey game there. That was really cool. The, the promoters uh, brought us there, and that was a really cool experience. So it was really fun. Uh, I, I think I'll go back. I mean, just hopefully the dirt will be a little better next time. Yeah, I, I can't uh, guarantee better dirt, but I can guarantee that uh, you'll likely get an invite. Uh, it sounded like uh, yourself and guys like Cade Clayson had themselves an awesome time. When it comes to going to those types of races, do you just like chum with the American guys and like the the Finnish racers and the, the European guys? Like, do they speak a lot of English? Like, is there sort of like a a divide between the the Euro guys and the uh, the Americans, or is it just like all everyone kind of in it together? Because it, it kind of like it, it, to me, it sort of gives the feeling of like almost like a, a local arena cross where uh, the pros are more or less friends, aside from a few clicks here and there. Um, but uh, maybe you can give me a little bit more insight. Yeah, no, um, at least in Finland where I was, like, we all were pretty, um, we all were pretty, uh, friendly with each other. All the Finland, like, I, no- I noticed there, like, everyone in Finland was very nice. Like, I did not meet one a-hole. Like, they were all super cool. They were all super nice. And everyone basically spoke English. And we kind of asked okay. them, we're like, how do so many people speak English here? And they just said, since, like it's kind of like normal for that in Europe where if you any there's so many languages in so many different countries in Europe that as soon as you leave your country you're in a different language so your your uh English is such a worldly language for this so they pretty much all spoke it and um they were all really cool we went out after the race we all just kind of had a good time and it was cool Awesome, dude. So, like, how many different, like, sort of little money races or arena crosses and stuff like that do you sort of put into your schedule during the off season? It's, like, uh, for a lot of privateers or privateer-backed teams, like, this is sort of a time when you can sort of bolster uh, that checkbook before rolling into Supercross, where you, mon- you make money there, too, uh, but you're also not dealing with uh, the Eli Tomax little role at some of those races, obviously. <laughs> yeah, um... I honestly, like, at least the past couple of years, I've wanted to always do more off-season races, but I haven't done it much, especially, like, after this year. Um, I didn't really have anything on my on my uh, plan after Supercross just because it was my first 450 season, my first 17 rounds, and I was tired after the season. I was ready to have my summer to myself, to be a normal person, and, all, and have fun, and then the world came up and all that, so... Uh, and then the finish race came and I had an opportunity to go to Australia for this past weekend for the Austex Open. And, um, if, if that was the Austex Open or for one of the Austex Opens. And, um, I just ended up not doing it just because I needed to get ready for the season and everything like that. And, but yeah, I, I want to do more. Um, but it just sucks with my job. That's the biggest thing is when I'm in America, I don't have to take PTO. Um, just okay. because I can, I can take my computer anywhere. Um, in work, but when I go overseas, they don't allow me to take my computer like that. So I have to take PTO. So like for Finland, Finland, I had to take three days of uh, work off. And so that's, so it just kind of sucks. So like even for Australia, I really wanted to do that, but then I kind of looked at it and I was like, man, like I'm going to miss about a week and a half of training. We're about a month and a half away from A1. I'm going to have to take at least five days off of work. Like it's just going to, it's just not, it just didn't make sense. So, but I try to do as much as possible in the summer just to have fun and get back to my roots. Like my biggest thing for the summer is like I've done the past two summers is going to the local races, going to these local tracks and having fun with the, with the bros on the weekend, like 
just instead of going and grinding it out, like me and the boys are just drinking or not drinking. Like, yeah, you're drinking. (laughs) No, like just having fun at the track and just and not caring. But like even that's even after the we ride, I can crack open a beer or something like that in the summer because I'm not in in training mode. Yeah, I'm just I'm I'm being a normal person, and that really I think helped. And then I started doing some local races. Like once it starts getting like August. September, like start doing those Oak Hill freestone races on the outdoors, even though I'm not, I know I'm not going to go crush it and I'm not even actually going a hundred percent. I'm just doing it just to get some gate drops, to get some get back into the flow and all stuff like that. So um, hopefully next year, I'd like to kind of do some more stuff. I'd love to do worlds like fully, but I have to figure it out with work and everything like that and just go from there. But that's the bad thing about that. Maybe one of these years I can, I'm going to break out even more and do another breakout year and I'll be in the next level of people and I can quit my job, <laughs> but I actually don't want to cause I actually like the job. No kidding. Well, like for, for you, like you, you did the first round of world supercross this year, which um, seemed like it was maybe uh, the most well executed uh, or the least sort of like under pressure one that they had. Obviously they had a change in uh, funding, uh, but you filled in for Cole Thompson and then like, were, were you kind of keep an eye on the, the rest of the world supercross championship? uh going forward or uh what what was the deal yeah so i um yeah i i watched it all season i i love watching racing so like motocross is what i watch i don't watch any other sports i don't watch any basketball football any of that unless it's my team's like fsu 11 and or 12 at 12 and 0 right now i think actually no big deal fsu uh (laughs) and but yeah so i just filled in for that one round it was i just it's funny it came about because they hit me up. I, so after, after Salt Lake city, um, I took off. I was, I was like, all right, that was 17 rounds of brutalness. Like I'm tired. I'm ready to have a normal life. I'm ready to have, just go hang out with the bros. So we, so I just, I didn't do anything. I did not ride at all. And they, I, I started riding. I literally, I think it was like my first or second day back riding. And it'd been about three weeks probably, which is not a lot to like, get out of shape but it's enough to where your arms are going to feel it like it was enough to where i rode and i was like oh man i haven't ridden in a while and um they hit me he called me and he's like hey man like we need we need someone to come to uk with us next weekend like and i thought i flat out told him like look i really want to do this because it sounds like a great time club is a good team so i was like oh let's do this but i'm just let you know i have not been riding like like I, I, I can't, like, I'm going to do what I can do well, maybe for a lap or two, but, and I'm, I've never been on a Yamaha, that new Yamaha. So it's going to, it's just going to be a whole ordeal, but I'd love to do it if you really need this. And they said, no, we just need somewhere on the track. It's no worries. And they were all okay with it. And I told them, like, look, I'll do as best as I can. And I did, I went and trained or I went and uh, tested the bike for three days, which I was excited because Yamaha, I was so used to the Yamaha's on two fifties. I thought, okay, like the new Yamaha shouldn't be too much different. It'll be cool to be back on a Yamaha. And that bike felt nothing like the old one. So it, it was just a completely new bike. It was, uh, and it just, it just felt weird. So, but when we got to the race, I had a lot of fun. I got to explore, um, had decent times and stuff like that, but definitely my fitness was a little off there. Um, and I told them if I, if they needed me for the other round, I would be more prepared because it was three months away. But then Cole ended up coming back and everything, and I was just happy for the experience and just have fun over there and everything. But I definitely wasn't as prepared as I thought I was. <laughs> 
Yeah, preparedness is, honestly, I think that's maybe the biggest linchpin to whether or not uh, guys like yourself can be successful on a particular weekend. Um, the more solid of a program you can be on, the more consistently you, you're able to um, just execute to the, to the level you guys know how. Like, I, I find one the most common denominator when I, I see privateers struggle is when they find themselves on, like, a different bike all the time, or there's irregularities in their... their they're training like guys that are on the road all the time. Like you, you fly into a lot of supercrosses. Yeah. Yeah. I fly to all of them. Right. So like, but to say that like, and this is a bad example because uh, I don't think he's on the same level skill wise, but like a guy like Josh Greco is literally on the road from one supercross to the next supercross. Um, and there's a lot of guys that are like that. Like they just don't have the support to, to be able to fly in. So their, their, their eating habits are all over the place. They're whether or not they're even able to practice is a complete kind of question mark. Um, a lot of them, they have all the intentions of the world of being able to go ride during the week, but often like it's the middle of winter during supercross. It's sometimes it's not practical to be able to get training in as you guys are heading off to Foxborough or Minneapolis or something along those lines. Um, that that's, that's a big hurdle for you guys and you deal with it season in season out. It, it never changes unless you get, uh, a, re- a ton of support like uh, like the, what you've been able to rise to. Yeah, so yeah, I agree with that. Um, it's a lot of these privateers, they are just on the road driving to all the rounds and everything like that. Luckily, I'm able to, like the past couple of years with the job, I can fly and everything. And just with the past couple of years, I've been able to build a program and where I can fly to all the races. Like this year, I did that. And then this year with the Mad Parts Kawasaki team, like I'll be flying to the races again. And I'm really excited to kind of partner up with them back again. Uh, that's like, as you were saying, like a lot of these privateers, they switch so much and so much. And I think this year is going to be even better than this past year, just because my program has not changed again. So like 2022, I was on the Mad Parts team. 2023, I was just like the Mad Parts is side chick kind of like I was on the side doing my own deal. <laughs> But, like, I was still with them. Like, I was still in the same vibe, still pretty much on the same bike and everything. And then this year, it is literally – I'm just back fully on the team, the same vibes, the same people that I like, the same bike, basically. Literally, the only difference from this year's bike to last year's bike is the suspension for me. So, it's basically um, just similar bike. So, I'm excited okay. just to so, keep so that So, are you guys running 2023s going. or are you running the all-new bike? We are running the 23s. Okay. Fair enough. I was, that was my next question to you, whether or not you were going to be adjusting to a new motorcycle. But, uh, yeah, and then that's not super uncommon. In fact, even in the 250 class, like in throughout like 2016, 18, like when the Hondas weren't changing much year to year, uh, it wasn't uncommon for a lot of privateers to run like a two or three year old, um, Honda, uh, given the fact it's still a great bike. They had all the parts and yeah, just keep rolling the thing forward. I think Colton Eck ran, ran the same bike in Supercross for maybe two or three years. Yeah, it, um, yeah, that, like for Supercross to get contingency, the bike has to be no more than two years old. So you can ride like a 2022 this, in this year. That'll be the last year you can ride a 2022. Um, but yeah, that's the thing for us this year. The new Cowie, we've heard great things about it. I'm sure it's an awesome bike. I haven't been able to ride it yet, but for us, um, not being the factory team, when, when companies like Cowie or anyone makes a new bike, they don't have the parts and the inventory that they normally do. So it's harder to get parts and stuff like that. So Bubba just made the decision. He's like, look, like 
we the the Cowie is already a really good bike. We already have a chassis built pretty much. Like we already have all this stuff. I don't. He doesn't want to deal with parts, like trying to get new parts and all this. He doesn't want to deal with building a whole new bike. Like we would just now be getting our probably 24s just about now, and then just now be testing. And it would just be too much work. Where we have already tested. Like we have already been to Bubba's house testing. We've already got all that done and dusted. We're good and golden, and now we just, like, our next thing is the photo shoot. Like, he, he had a set plan, and he's following it, and it's pretty cool to where we don't have to worry about that. But I'm excited to ride the 24. John Short just got it, one of them, and I told him I needed to ride it uh, the other day, but I didn't end up riding it. But hopefully one of these days I can ride it. So what do we think about uh, Bubba? Like, we know he has, like, half a thumb now, but he's, he's too he is <laughs> Like, that's... Uh, he, he can't give you two thumbs up, but he might be able to give you some fast lap times out there. Like, are we going to see him back on the track? Like, I'd hate to see him go out like that way. Yeah, he gives us one and a half thumbs up when he does both. Jesus uh, Christ. Uh, <laughs> no, so Bubba, man, he is one of the most strongest willed dudes I've ever met. He will be back for Supercross this year. Um, they just made the announcement the other day that he's the third rider and everything. Amazing. Um, and yeah, and he, and we, we rode together when I went to Bubba. So the week before Finland, I went to Bubba's house and, and we tested there, um, for just the whole week and he rode and he still ripped. He still can go fast. It's unbelievable. Like the, the will of him to where he can just, he gets his thumb literally chopped off and he's still just like, all right, I'm ready to race again. I'm ready to do this. Like That's he doesn't, he's right someone, there. yeah, just a dirt bike kid. He, someone who doesn't let down and, I really, and that's why I like being with him and him and his team because he puts that effort into being a team owner. And it's crazy just to see what he does as a team owner and a team and a rider at the same time. And he can balance both. And then this year we got Derek Rankin as our team manager. So he hired Derek specifically to take that pressure off of him. Um, so it, that way he can focus on his racing this year. So I think it's going to be a really good year because Derek brings a lot to the table. He's been yeah, to a lot of, of teams. Yeah, so it's going to be, I think, a really good year with both of them running the show. I love it. Um, switching gears completely, and I don't want to take up your entire lunch hour, although you're at home, so I guess you, like, no one's going to crack the whip on you. Like maybe <laughs> nah, you, just, like, you just have your like Teams meeting like sort of open, and you just like, kind of move the mouse around so it doesn't look like you're, uh, you're <laughs> offline. Um, when you're, when you're growing up, right? Like, uh, when you're growing up in moto, like you were like, I think your experience growing up in the sport possibly, well, like, I know it was different than mine cause I was, you were fast and I wasn't. Um, but like, were you a fan of the sport? Like, did you like watch like the great outdoors or like different, like, were you like a video kid? Like, were you like a verb moto kid? What was your, what was your experience growing up in the sport and, and what, like, did you just like love it to, to bits or were you just like, you're focused on your own racing? Cause I know there's a lot of kids. Like I talked to like, say a guy like Shane McElrath who like he spent a lot of his time at facilities and stuff like that. Like they don't spend a lot of time going to pro races and like really idolizing the pros. They, Cause they, they, they have their sights set on being one. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. No, I was kind of 50, 50 growing up. Um, because all the way through until my senior year of high school, I was just a weekend warrior. So okay. I wasn't a, tra- I wasn't a training. I was never a training facility kid until I moved to Florida, my senior year of high school. So when I kind of had a 50, 50 thing where on the weekends I was the motocross kid, I was a motocross kid. I go to the races, go to all that stuff. 
and then we get back home, we go during the week, and then I go to school, and then I did I did school sports every single like quarter or every okay. semester or whatever. So like every in the spring or in the fall, I did on my fall sport, I did my winter sport, and then I had spring sport. So normally it was cross country, swim, and then track. Uh, I did a couple others, did basketball and lacrosse my freshman year, but. I want, my parents wanted me to really focus on just doing other things and being a normal kid as well growing up. But I definitely was a moto fan. Like I never was a kid who watched football or anything like that. I was watching motocross and I still to this day am that if I'm going to watch a sport, it's going to be motocross and that's just who I am. But it's funny because I'm actually not, I'm not a, like a person who goes to like racer X or verb moto or or vital or any of that and just scrolls and just see what's going on. I don't know why I've never been that. Yeah. I, I, I find it interesting when like I see something cool, like on maybe Instagram and I'll swipe up or something like that. But uh, like, I'm never that guy that just goes in and wants to see what's going on. I don't know why, because I love the sport so much, but I've just never been that guy. Yeah. I think you're just busy, dude. <laughs> <laughs> you're that, just could busy. Be, that could be it as well. Yeah, no, totally, man. Like, that's that's kind of interesting to hear because, like, yeah, like I was that. Like, I would hang out on Verb all day long. Uh, it's part of why I work here to begin with. And then, like, I would, I'd get like being in Canada. Like, we get no live races. The only live races we get all year was the Daytona Supercross, which I like in my own mind was like the biggest race of all races that could ever be. Um, and because because Speed Channel up here would would carry it uh, as a live race, other, everything else was either like a huge tape delay, uh, or I'd be watching Canadian Nationals on uh, Sportsnet, uh, which is like a channel you guys don't get, but yeah, we have that up here. Um, and then yeah, I would get like the Great Outdoors videos, like all eleven of them, and I like, but every single year there'd be like the regular one and the special edition, and I would literally just play those and play them and play them <laughs> and play them again. Um, which is possibly, uh, the, the, the source of what my like, kind of like moto autism is when I can just like spout off like years and stats and facts and this, that and everything. It's just like, I, I drilled it into my own head. It's great. Yeah. It's, it was, I definitely like watched all those movies. Like I definitely watched the movies and like back in the day, like I also like the biggest thing for me, like I've, I've seen verb, like post a couple of them recently, but like the kind of 2010, 11, 12, 13 era, of that's when like verb was just so sick and just so epic and everything. They have like some of those, the, just like the dreamland video, the like Hampshire has a couple videos. Like there's these like just OGs that we all watched growing up, like Barsha, just all these people that we watch having the sickest videos and stuff like that. Like I watched those and I'll see them like recently, like they'll repost them like, Oh, throwback. And like, dude, this was the sickest video. And like, I definitely remember stuff like that. And it's, it's cool to see that, Verb is coming back because they were definitely iconic and um, just and that just multiple people that are coming back. I love how social media is kind of bringing back just older stuff and then bringing new stuff too. It's and it's kind of like that we're in a new era, I think, right now where Deegan and like Lawrence are kind of kind of change the game and bring a new set of fans into our sport because uh-huh. they're the kind of they're the kind of TikToker kids like that's who they are and that's that's their generation. So I mean they have a million followers or something like that. So they're going to bring those TikTok kids into our sport. And that's what we need. We need people, we need more people in our sport, at least watching it. Like obviously we need people racing and everything, but the biggest thing we need, like people are constantly complaining about our sport, not having money. 
it's because we don't have people watching it. Like, yeah. they're, oh, why don't we get paid NASCAR money or this money? I'm like, because we don't have as much people watching it. Millions of people are watching NASCAR. Twenty tens of million people are watching NBA. Supercross, the biggest, I think the, I, I could be wrong, but like, I'm pretty sure the most ever watched on TV live was like six or 700,000. So like, yeah. we need more people. And it, and it sucks because when people see the sport, they're like, dude, this thing's so sick and it's so fun. But the difference between like this and maybe NASCAR or basketball, basketball, anyone and everyone can go pick up a ball or pick up a ball and go play in their court for $15. NASCAR, everyone can relate because everyone drives a car. But dirt bikes, not everyone's rode a motorcycle, so they can't really relate to like the sport as much as you others others can. So you got to get them into the sport. You got to have them watch it and all this stuff. And if they do want to get it, they're going to go spend ten grand before stepping on a track. But that's kind of that's a whole other deal. But hopefully, we can get some more people in the sport, get more money into it, and get more videos, get more people, and that will blow our sport up even more. Oh, I, I I completely agree. The the more people that we have paying attention to it and and being interested in it, and the, the, one of the biggest issues that motocross faces is yeah, you have it's a very specific skill set. Like when you dribble a basketball, like most people can understand, like bouncing a ball. Uh, but like yeah, blitzing a set of whoops, like there's so much going on there. Like it's 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 over it's pretty over the top as far as um like the just the skill set and then like anyone you introduce to the sport you immediately have to explain like well what are these races well those are heat races do they count for anything no, uh not really just heat uh just gate pick what about the that other race yeah. like the last chance one and they're like well yeah that's just for gate pick too so the only one that counts is the end of the night like that's great <laughs> so uh it, 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 yeah sometimes it's a little bit difficult but uh yeah man it, it's cool to see some of the stuff come back uh i'm always blown away that like like okay, perfect example. Uh, how many views do you think that the uh, Barsha Verb Platinum has on Instagram on YouTube? How many views would you think that it has? Like from the from like the original date? Yeah, the original date. It was posted twelve years ago. It is the third most viewed video on uh, on Verb's post. Like how many how many video how many views do you think that one has? In twelve it's years. Day. Uh, I'd say maybe two or three million. One point three, dude. Damn. You'd think it would have more. You'd think it would have. I I thought it would have more for sure. Like I look back and I'm like, oh, it's got to, it's got to be in like five, six million for sure. Like, like given the fact that I've probably watched it like ten times, so like time, like take the whole industry and like times that by five and that should be your number or whatever it is. But no, it's 1.3. Like that, that wasn't, that was a groundbreaking video. Like, yeah. and what's funny is, uh, the two videos that uh, are higher than that are, uh, ki- kids on super minis, just like going huge at James Stewart's house, as well as there's a Jeffrey Hurlings video. I think he flipped somebody off. Um, but, but like, super mini, super mini kid was probably Max Markoff. It was. Uh, it's Markov yeah. and I think Hayes. Yeah, yeah, Ashton Hayes. Yeah, yeah. both of them. They, that was a pretty epic one. And one, of, I just recently saw a video. I think they recently posted of Max yes. jumping that big double on his 150. Dude, that's good. Maybe that like breaks in my next question for you. Who is someone that you raced against growing up that like should have done more as a pro that either did nothing as a pro or like was like kind of a flash in the pan? Like didn't didn't have a long pro career. Oh, I mean, there's a list. Oh, I mean, miles long. It's, you can, yeah. I mean, I can go to, let's just go to my here. I'll go, 
real quick. Your Loretta's. I'll go to my yeah. Go to my. Let's go to my A year. Let's just go to my A year because Perfect. me and my dad talk about this every single time or all the time. Where um, so many p- kids growing up, we like they were unbelievable. Even from fifties, sixties, eighties, they go win Loretta's and then like the next year disappear. Like there were so many fast kids that were like that, and we see that every year. Um, this year or my, my, my year of racers, I think whoever who's left is me, John short, Cooper Webb and Jordan Smith, like of my age group. I'm pretty sure like that's it. So like, and there was racers. So my a year, Joshua M. Cartwright. What's, what is that? Like Malcolm? What is this? No, it's my middle name. You won't figure it out. Uh. (laughs) But I mean, so you get the winner. So you got Hampshire. He yep. made it. All Still good. in it. But then Luke Rinsland, he out. did a good job for a little bit, but he's out. Like, but he. But think about Luke was. I I always fathomed this. Like, why this was. This dude won 450A at Loretta's two years in a row. Yep. And still didn't get a still didn't get a factory ride. He got a Rock River ride, and that's it. Like mm-hmm. it fathomed me. Like, how does a dude that's that badass wins Loretta's twice in a row? Doesn't get a factory ride. Doesn't get a chance. Yep. But then, and then you got Christopher Aldridge. Same yep. thing. Pro circuit, Daniel and then ba- gone. D- yep. Daniel Baker, factory KTM, gone. Zachary Komen, uh, then Nathan Haas, Cody Chisholm, Josh Osby, me, John Short, Cameron McAdoo's in there in 12th. Uh, Nick Gaines. Gaines oh, my God, Gaines. W- Welton. There's so many people. Like, And this is just my – and Darian Sinai at the bottom – Tyler yep. McSwain. Uh, John Aaron Plessinger's in there. Yeah, Aaron's in there. Chandler Lindsay. Matt oh, remember Price. Andrew so many... Remember Andrew Silverstein? Yep, Andrew Silverstein was unbelievable. Axel like, Hodges is in, the, so... is in there. 27 DNF DNF. Yep. Like it's it's like where is and if you can go every year, you can go to my one twenty five year. Yep. You can go to my fifty, sixty. There are kids that you will remember you their names. Or Jeff like, Holy crap, They were badass. Who? Jeff Crutcher, he runs a, a team for the in the yeah, 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 General yeah, Tire yeah. Series. Uh, Keaton Ward, uh, Martin Castillo. Um, hell yeah, there's there's a ton of talent in here. But yeah, lots of guys who spent me that like they might if they have ten to fifteen like pro races that they even raced. Period. Yeah, and I think the biggest thing what I've noticed is so those kids, those type of riders, they were factory their whole life. And they were badass their whole life. They've been winning their entire life. And then let's say they're not, they're not the Deegans. They're not the Adam Cincerillas, the kids who dominated. Mm-hmm. And those kids are going to make it pretty much. Mm-hmm. But, all, but like then you got other riders, but then you got like those type of riders who win sometimes. And then they get that chance. But the thing about our sport is they, you don't get a second chance. You no. get that first chance on a factory team. And if you do not perform, you're out and you, you bet you hopefully get another factory ride. And if you do, don't do well on that one too, you're really out. So like there's a list, there's even lists of kids names that I, I could say right now that didn't make it that are still in it. But like, I'm not going to just cause they're some of my homies, some of my friends and I'm not going to dog on them, but like right. that they were, they were unbelievable. And now I'm almost even faster than them. So like, mm-hmm. it's just, it's crazy how like this, the, 
the cha- world changes, but it also changes for riders like me because my entire life I was just like a top ten kid. Yeah, I right. won Loretta's, but I won I won it in college, boy. So it was like a little didn't even win a moto in that championship, did you? Went uh, two, the no. three three two. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hey, consistency wins. Yeah, apparently, uh, I actually, th- I actually thought I was going to win the two-stroke class that year, and not even the college would. But, but yeah, but there's kids like me where I was like a top ten kid, and once we got to Supercross, I'd grown up racing arena cross, so that was my specialty. Okay. And when we went to arena cross to get our points, I was racing against like Mitchell Harrison, Tristan Charbonneau, all these like Jordan Smith was there, and instead of being like off their pace. I was actually beating them in some of the, pra- in some of the like overall times in practice, like beating them in some of the races. Like mm-hmm. I was at, you know, I was in the row, in the ring with them where as an amateur, I wasn't. So it kind of, it changes that. Like even in, or in the pros, like once we got to Supercross, like Nick Gaines, like speed got a little closer to mine. He was still faster, but I got closer to him because once you get to pros, the level kind of uh, levels out the field levels out because if they're not on that factory team, they're on my program now. Like they're on a privateer bike, they're on this and that, and it's kind of getting a little closer. And I stuck it out. Like obviously, like I had, and that's the thing too. Some people run out of money and they can't do it, mm-hmm. and things like that. And luckily, I was fortunate enough to have parents who supported me through college and all that, and supported me to my racing. But that was the thing. They told me they're like, "We will support you, but." you have to stay at a good kid. You have to stay good grades. You're going to college. Like if I was like a little shithead, mm-hmm. my parents would not have supported me. <laughs> like right. it wouldn't have happened. But, um, but I stayed out of trouble. They, they told me when I moved to Florida by myself, they said, if we get a call from the cops, you're coming home. Like anything like that, a call right. from your principal, you're coming home. Like this is a one strikeout thing. You don't mess up. So yeah, it's just, there's so much that goes into it though. Family problems, money problems, that you just never know what's going on in other people's lives that why they didn't make it. And it's part of the game. You just got to stick it out and some make it and some don't. Two things from looking at your, uh, your Loretta's, uh, ranch, um, results here. Uh, also total side note. I think there's a little bit of a leg up for kids who don't always have, like they're not that absolute hot shot kid because from a very young age, their results are all they need to do to hold sponsors. Whereas the kids that are in like 15th to 30th uh, at Loretta's, those are the kids who have to learn how to actually bring value to their sponsors. Um, so when they're presented with that situation at the pro level, they're like, that it, there's nothing different. They still have, they still do it. Right. Um, and they're, they, they, they network and they, they cultivate relationships. Whereas a kid like say like a, uh, maybe like a Chris Aldridge, who was like his team green kid. Like I wouldn't say everything was handed to him, but he might not have had to work for his sponsors as much as say like a person like you. Um, as soon as he gets to that level of support, that he's like, well, what the fuck do I do now? Um, yeah. And they, they, they're just not able to do it. And a lot of them kind of fold up shop because of that. Uh, but I'm looking at, first of all, you rode, you're one of the very select few who rode a Suzuki 65. What the hell was that bike like? <laughs> and you also, oh, like, so on that machine, you ended up going, uh, 38, 30 on a Suzuki 65 for, uh, behind Chris Canning and, uh, no wait, you beat Chris Canning rather. Sorry. Um, yeah, 33rd overall, but in, uh, I'm going to scroll up in 18th overall on a KTM 65 Colby fucking raha 
awesome. <laughs> I got beat by a free rider. Yeah. <laughs> and that dude shreds on a bike though. Hell um, yeah. But what 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 class was that? Was That's that 06, 65 stock. Ten to eleven. Seven to nine. Chase 10 Bell. To 11. Fucking see you later on a KX. Uh, uh, he might have actually been on KTM's by at that point. Yeah, so that's that's funny that it still says Suzuki because I actually was on a KTM. Um, so okay. that was my ten. So that was my so 06 was my ten year old year in the ten to eleven. Yeah. So I was all I was always that kid yeah, where, too. yeah, my 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 young year I always got my ass kicked, but my old year I always did better. Like I was all my results, and if you look at my my Loretta results suck until about. Eh, about 85 or something like that. I always had bad luck. Always had a, at least a crash to where it put a put DNF put me in 2030th place, all that stuff. But, um, but it, when I was on 65, right when I got off 50s, because I was a pretty good 50 rider, uh, I got on 65. We bought a Suzuki and we went to the hair or we went to the area qualifier for seven, uh, 79 class. And my dad and I got my ass kicked. Like I didn't even, I barely made the regional. And my dad was like, what in the world is going on? Like, how do you, the year before podium at Lake Whitney National on a 50, and then you can't even, like, make a regional in 65? Like, what's going on? And some people told us, they're like, dude, you got to go buy a KTM. Like, it's, back in the day, back then, in, in 07, this KTM was the only good 65. Like, the Cowie and the Suzuki, which were the same bike back then, were not, they just weren't race bikes. They were just good for, like, the trail riding or running around, but... And my dad went and bought a KTM. I rode it one time in the backyard around in a circle before going to the regional, went to the regional and made Loretta's. Like that's how much better that bike was okay. than they're like, this is 365. Like it was unbelievable, but it's crazy just to like see that progression. But now you have all these bikes like on 65, like, like five or four or five that are unbelievable. Yeah, so like, the yeah, Cobras are sick. Like, I, I took a look oh, at a few of those this last weekend at Mesquite, and, like, those things are, like, basically a full-blown Supercross bike, just miniature so, size. Right? Yeah. They look so sick. I wish we had those back in the day. Like, it sucks because I'm a Cowie guy. And I yeah. Like, like, Cowies, but they need to update their 60. Yeah. Um, well, I, the Suzuki was the, was the Cowie. Like, that was uh, one yeah. of the – when they were, like, doing the, the Kawasaki Suzuki, two, two, like, 250F. Um, they, tra- they, they shared some bikes. Like it was, there was a couple of trail bikes and then there was the, the 65 and the 100, uh, that, uh, Suzuki yep. got to ride. And it was su- it was super funny seeing basically a yellow Kawasaki with RM 100 on the side of it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. but yeah. Uh, but yeah, dude, you had like the, like, in this class, like this, this, I just grabbed this one specifically, but like Zach Bell, see you later, Colt Nichols, Cooper Webb, Dylan Epstein, uh, Cody Cam. Just, just Justin Hill, Jace Owen, like uh, Logan Carnell is in there. He's twelfth overall. Uh, Aldridge okay. Baker. Go ahead. I said, dang! I said, dang! Go Logan! I didn't like he killed it that year. Oh yeah, no, he's ripping. He went uh, twenty-one, uh, ten, twelve. So he probably should have done even better than twelfth overall. Raha's in there. Uh, that's kind of all the ones that I really notice. Like, I, I don't really like. Um, and then Canning, Cade Clayson. You beat Cade Clayson. Uh, he went, <laughs> he went 34, 27 DNS. Uh, nice. Blake Lilly. Holy shit. There's a name. Yeah, Blake, yep. Blake Lilly. Uh, and, and rounding out your seat, he, he must have been, uh, uh, no, he must, he must have, um, 
He must have been an alternate or I don't know, 40, 42nd over Brandon Shar uh out of California. Yeah, yeah, That's a long way to go to race one moto in the sixty five class. <laughs> but yeah, it it's crazy. Like you can just go through each every year. Like that that list right there, the top ten was actually more people than I thought would still be in it because that top there was probably a good seven people still in it, but like yeah. you can go to like one twenty five classes, all this stuff, like Colton Ford, like I don't know if you remember that name, like there's a there's rumor that Colton Ford, our one twenty five year that his dad said I, I don't know if it's true or not, but like yeah. his dad told him he said, if you do not win this year, we're quitting. And he got second. He got second that year at, at Loretta's in school. We won. Yeah. Never saw him. Never saw him again. Amazing. Like and I was, I'm like dang, and that like he was fast. He was he ripped, but yeah, you just never know. You just never know what's gonna happen. And but we're you just had to stick it out and thing about me i kept doing this sport just because i love it like yeah. i was good at it i love the sport more than anything i'll be doing it until forever like i'm gonna go to loretta's after i'm done like i'm gonna be doing the heath harrison thing that he's doing like he's he's having a blast Dude, he's, right he's having, like i there's hard be it to find a picture of heath harrison when he's not smiling year to year he's having a good time yeah because he's having fun just, just like he's no pressure like obviously he wants to win and everything but like if he doesn't go out and win he's not gonna not going to not have food on his table or something like that. He's doing it because he likes riding dirt bikes. And I grew up with Heath actually, like we're okay. from around, around the similar area, uh, Mississippi, Tennessee area. So um, it was just, yeah, he, I want to do that. I want to have just fun when I'm done. Yes, sir. Well, uh, yeah, like you're, you're certainly putting yourself in a good position to be able to do so a successful supercross career and a successful uh, office career on top of that dual income and, uh, and, and lots of fun that comes along with it, man. Uh, yeah, like, uh, hats off to you. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah. So now, now we're here and now we're getting ready for the 2024 season and I'm excited for that to come up. What's, uh, what's going to happen in 2024 to make it your best season yet? Um, I think just everything is going to come together even more. Uh, like last year, I had such a good year. I had a breakout year. I think it was a good year last year to reset. Um, I've been on teams and teams and teams, like privateer teams, and it kind of got into a rut. And then um, last year, I kind of – like I had a good, I had a decent 22 season with Bubba and Mad Parts. Uh, like I kind of – like I showed some speed finally there. Um, and then the 23 season, I finally panned together and – put it all together what I wanted to do. And I think this year um, with the Mad Parts Kawasaki team, I think it's going to help having the same program pretty much as last year. Like I'm so happy with them. Like I've told Bubba and them multiple times, like, yo, like, I have so much fun with y'all. Like, y'all, I haven't, ar- I haven't, I never argue with Bubba as an owner. Like we never get into it or anything because he understands everything. I'm on the same bike basically as last year, which is really going to help having Derek as a team manager, having more resources. Like this year we have a great program with the Mad Park uh, circuit equipment and Jonesboro cycle. They all stepped up. They're all coming in hot, like, and it helped Bubba get more resources, more support and stuff like that. So last year when I had even, I was just on the side of them, I still was doing everything myself. Like they pretty much just took my bikes and everything and they helped me with parts and stuff like that. But like, I basically did everything myself. But this year, I have a full team behind me. I have like all these people. We got power band suspension where we went and tested. They came up and tested with us at Bubba's. Derek is constantly texting me. Hey, how did today go? How did this feel? How the suspension feel? Hey, we're going to send you a new set of suspension this week to test. Hey, we're going to try this and this. Like I've never had that. I've never had someone to really 
be behind me and stuff like that on a team like that. Like this year, he even messaged my trainer, Drew Whitehead, who I've worked with for so many years. Like he's helped me get to this point as well. Derek, Drew ended up telling Derek, he's like, yo, what did you do to Josh to get him to do this? Because now, because I've, I've done some new tests and stuff like this to see where the body's at. He's like, Josh is really like into it this year where he's really wanting to do the proper things that a professional athlete does, all the tests and everything to your body to see what you're deficient of. He's like, you've really woke, woken him up. And it's because I want to show people that last year wasn't a fluke. Last year was a starting point for me. That was my breakout year. Then it's going to keep going and going because I've had this speed in me my entire life, but I haven't been able to focus on this speed where now I finally, I have a job and I have a house. I have a set, a uh, set platform to where I can focus really on the racing. Like 2022, it was good with the first year of the job, but like I was kind of stressed out with work because it was my first year of the work uh, job. It was, I had to figure it all out. Then this past year, I'm back. I'm in the groove of my work. I'm not stressed out anymore because I know how to do everything. So this year it's even better. So having, having that groove, having this awesome team behind me, having everyone just working with me and working in the right steps. Like even today, I'm going to Matt Pennell, my chiropractor to uh, get adjusted. Like I go to him once a week, like this whole team set around me is going to help me get to the next stage and having that confidence to go kick some ass. That is awesome, dude. Well, I, I'm really looking forward to seeing more of it. Uh, I'm glad to hear you having some consistency in your life as far as support and, and even having that even bolstered more. So, uh, yeah, some exciting things coming down the pipe. For uh, Josh Cartwright, we're looking forward to uh, following you along uh, the whole way, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's going to be fun. We got a good play. We got a good uh, good, good system here, too, in Texas. Like, we got a good amount of people. We got tons of riders. We also freckle. Ryder Floyd, uh, uh, Henry Miller, Austin Roberts. Like we got all, we got tons of Ryder Grant Harlan. Once he gets back, uh, shout out to him. Heal up, homie. Like uh, also, also heal up to my be- one of my best, my best friend Jace Owen. He got hurt up over in Australia, but uh, but yeah. So we heal, heal up to that. But yeah, Texas is doing great here. We got a lot of tracks. We got Oak Hill. We got Master Pools. We got uh, the Ford Brothers. We got Underground. We got. Springtown has a track. I think missing one. Like there's there's a there's so many supercar tracks here that it's pretty cool to where we're set in stone and ready to go. Awesome, man. Well, this has been a lot of fun. It's always a pleasure to catch up with you um, before your boss just uh, lets you go completely from taking uh, a, a sizable break uh, during this um, this afternoon. Uh, let's let's cut things off right there. But uh, thanks for coming on, man. Yeah, thank you for having me. I, I appreciate it. I'm just going to say this. I always love catching up with Josh Cartwright. That guy is as sharp as a tack. Great to talk to about the sport. Passionate about the sport that he competes in. Like The kid straight up still loves to ride his motorcycle. And that's one of the coolest things. And the fact that he's also able to balance that with a, a full-time job that he's extremely skilled at. Um, the guy's impressive across the board, so um, everyone should be a huge Josh Cartwright fan. Um, all right, guys. Well, this was another episode on the Verb Pod Network. Hopefully, you're enjoying all of these episodes. I love making them. Uh, whether you're listening to Squad Pod, Winners Take Y'all, or the now most consistent podcast in the history of all podcasts, the Vanilla Broadcast. I think it has three episodes in the last four weeks or something along those lines. Uh, and yeah, I don't even know what to do with that. So uh, hopefully you guys are enjoying it. 
Uh, continue enjoying it. And uh, check out YouTube, by the way. Verb Moto on YouTube. Not only just our the stuff we put out recently, but the, on top of that, we have a ton of old stuff that I love sifting through. And you'll probably enjoy that, too. So uh, check that out, guys. And as always, thanks for watching.